Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a guide. Now, today we are in Deuteronomy chapter 12, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. This chapter is super vital to many Messianics' misunderstandings of where and how to celebrate the feasts. So really pay attention. This one chapter 16 and I believe chapter 18 as well. But we really need to look at some things today carefully and astutely and pray for Father's eyes, ears, and hearts on the matter. Like may he open our eyes and hearts to understand his eyes, ears, and heart, right? Let's, let's see what he has to say. These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which Yahweh Elohim of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. I do want to point out, um, I do believe that what happens on earth is a shadow of the things in heaven. But I do think it's also interesting that these are for us while we're on the earth. All the days we live here, we are to observe these. And I think it's interesting he pointed that out because it, there is a different something coming when we are with Yahweh. Now, I don't believe people go to heaven, so to speak, Hashemayim, when they die because the Torah, the Bible shows us so many pictures where there's a resting place for the souls, but that's a whole different podcast. But um, it says, nobody has seen the face of the father, nobody. And Yeshua himself says that, except for himself. And so we know nobody has died yet and seen the father, but we know people have talked to Yahweh. Therefore, we know that is the son, since we're told we, he can't, we can't see the father, <laughs> but we do see the son and they, people have seen Yeshua. And so keep that in mind um, that these commandments are very specifically to hear while we're on earth. Also, remember this when it says to be careful to observe them, it means to guard them, shamar. Just remember that again. Verse 2. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. The wooden image there, that's usually an Asherah pole. Let me look quickly in the Hebrew. Um, this one is just saying we're in their groves. Yeah, Asherah, there it is. See, that's the word Easter. <laughs> we're burning their Easter poles, people. Come on, we don't do it. Um, so let me finish that verse. And you shall, okay, so you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn down their Asherah poles, their wooden images, their Easter things with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. Okay. Many Christians specifically have adopted pagan holidays into the church and say they have redeemed those holidays, such as birthday parties. Birthday parties are probably more pagan than anybody understands. Birthday parties are the number one holiday in the Satanic Bible. And go look it up for yourself. I am not exaggerating that. Because it's a day to worship themselves as God. And they love it. Um, all of the early Christians, even in their writings, condemned the practices of birthday celebrations because it was always done only by pagans. So be super, super careful <laughs> with that because I know Yahweh commanded us not to do it and he commanded you not to do it. But make sure you understand that it was pagan in nature. That's why. It's not... You know, it's not that we're not giving thanks for the child, but why is there a whole day dedicated for a child? We don't, they don't need that. The world does not revolve around them. The world 
They were put here to honor Yahweh. And if anything, we acknowledge they grow older on that day, but teach them to turn that back to Yahweh and give their life back to the Father as in service to Him. But notice here again, it says to break, destroy the altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images. You can't take these practices and adopt them. There's nothing in here that could be misconstrued as that. So Christmas, which is originally called the Festival of Saturnalia, and of course there's other holidays throughout the Mesopotamia area and then all through the Druids and stuff like that where they've changed and altered names, but we know it's pagan. It was to the sun god's soul because the winter solstice was so dark and they were trying to make the celebration to get the sun god to come back. It's just disgusting. Easter, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was the festival of um, Lupercalia where they would, it was just sexually immoral. They would each pick a different woman that year. They celebrated to the false god Cupid and there was all these other false gods involved, which were literally pagan gods that people worshipped and burned sacrifice to. Um, same thing with St. Patrick's Day. And the Catholic Church tried to adopt all of these holidays and tried to paint them with a picture of um, glory and try to make them biblical, but they're not. You can't take you can't take a pig and put it in children's clothes and make it a human child. It just doesn't work, okay? It's still a pig. And Yahweh commands us to not have anything to do with it. I know when we first came to Torah, he w- and we still don't, but we made the precedent back then, but he said, do not even accept a gift. He said, because it is still in honor of that holiday. He said, you need to love them enough to share gently with him why you can't. He goes, falsity breeds more falsity. He goes, complacency breeds more complacency. He said, if you really want to set them free, help them understand the truth. Refuse the gift in a kind and gentle way and then teach them the truth and turn them to me. And that's what he told me. And doesn't that seem right in line with Torah? Where do you see Yeshua um, do the pagan holidays and just pretend it's okay and through osmosis try to like filter his thoughts to them. <laughs> no, it's always through his actions and words where he is turning people to the Father and he confronts their sin. He doesn't just blindly sit there silently. And so the Messianics, the MIA in particular, made some huge mistakes and have fallen greatly away from Yahweh. So the MIA was the very first organization in the Messianic movement to understand the return of Ephraim. Now, the Judaism Jews understood for many years because they have it in their prayer book. But it, the Christians were not not understanding until Bachi Wooten stood up and understood some things. But their organization became more about building their organization. They took a name to their group and they did all sorts of things. And suddenly all of their leaders were celebrating Christmas again. I know two in particular. They went back to doing Christmas and Easter and Halloween and very, very wicked things, and they don't obey Torah anymore. Some of those people now eat pork and shellfish and um, very immodest and very immoral. And so it's, be careful. I'm going to tell you what Yahweh told me years ago was, he said, if you don't stand up against the false spirit, he goes, I let it overcome you because of your hard heart and stiff neck. He said, if you don't confront it, then it will overcome you. And now we see that in scripture in many places where people didn't stand up against the false spirit wickedness. And so then they started to do that wickedness, right? And I've seen it in my own life in people around me. And um, it's very, very true. I know. Yeah. Anyway, I've seen people who um, struggled with, for example, addiction would go hang out with 
maybe alcoholics or smokers or whatever. And what would they do? Because they hadn't filled that space strongly with the word of God and they were hanging out with the people who were doing the wrong instead of making a separation. And they were allowing those people to do that wickedness in front of them rather than turning them from that wickedness. Then the wickedness overcame them. And what they should have done is turn the person from that false god of cigarettes or alcohol that was trying to, you know, soothe their pains. And not that all alcohol is wrong. I'm not saying that. A glass of wine or things. I don't drink it, but some people, I get it. I get it. It's not all sinful. But the point is, it is sinful to be drunk and to turn to it for your solace and comfort. And so if you turn somebody away from their sin, you have stood up against the demon that's behind that. And what I will tell you one picture. Um, when my husband and I were first just going to come to Torah, we hadn't yet come to Torah. We were literally within months of coming to Torah. But we were getting very convicted by the Father to give up smoking. And my husband has the gift of seeing. Like, <laughs> he used to think he had an overactive imagination because nobody in his family um, follows God at all. So he um, didn't know what it was, but he would always see demons. Um, and so he went outside one night to have a cigarette. And from behind the tree, this demon poked its head out at him and laughed blew and was smoking a cigarette and blew a puff of smoke at him and basically said, I've got you. Jim came in wide eyed and he said, okay, we've got to quit. He said, this is what I saw. Now me, I hear the Lord physically in my ear. My ear gets hot and I feel him and then I hear him. So I have the gift of hearing. My husband has the gift of seeing. I don't see many demons and probably for a good reason. I can, now I do, I sense more and God, as I got more strong in him and was not afraid anymore, he does show me things like I can see spirits on people Uh, in any way. It's not always fun, but, um, but I had to get to that place of strength in the Lord where I wouldn't be afraid of it. Because when I was 20 years old, first coming to Torah, 23 years old or whatever it was, um, it was... (laughs) <laughs> there was, I, I was just too scared of things. Um, but anyways, but he always spoke in my ear, but my husband has always had this gift of seeing. And so when he saw that, it made a lot of sense to me because Yahweh had already told me that behind all these things we do, we don't always understand the demon, which is being glorified by those actions. And cigarettes were glorifying Satan, not God, because Satan is the only one who would want us to destroy our bodies and our lungs And to be addicted to anything that would bring us comfort other than Yahweh himself. So it's very important that we break down these places of false worship and wickedness. And we get rid of them and we don't tolerate them. And we confront them in a gentle, firm way. Like Yeshua. Because if you don't, I promise you it will overtake you. I saw whole congregations fall to sexual morality going back to these pagan holidays because they didn't stand up against it. They wanted to be so nice to people. I guess that's back to the point of the MIA. I remember them saying things like, well, just just be tolerant to these Christians as they come in. They're still doing their pagan holidays, but just let them. And God said, no. He told me, no. No, 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 no. Then you're con- you're allowing them to continue in sin, help them turn from sin. In fact, that's one of the first four laws that when the... Um, quote, New Testament or Brit Shah, the Renewed Covenant Church was coming together, one of the first four laws was stop from food sacrifice to idols. It's like Christmas dinners, Easter dinners, birthday cakes, stuff like that, right? So anyway, make sure we turn them from sin and to God. Verse four, you shall not worship Yahweh or Elohim with such things. Oh, oh, you can't take it and redeem it? <laughs> no, you do not worship him with those things. But you shall seek the place where Yahweh or Elohim chooses out of all your tribes 
to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. Now, people, where is that place? It had to be in the 12 tribes. Well, remember, there's 13 tribes, but Joseph has two portions. You had to seek the place where Yahweh put his name. Did you know around the city of Jerusalem, from aerial views, you can see the letters yod He, vav He, the four letters of the tetragram, the four letters of the sacred name of Yahweh Elohim around the city? Over and over and over in Scripture, we see that that is the place. Once they were done dwelling in the wilderness, he put his name there. If you go through now the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, some of the Chronicles, you will see that once that place of his throne was established, once he chose Jerusalem as the place of worship, anytime the Israelites got scattered after that, they were forbidden from doing the any replacement ceremonies anywhere else other than Jerusalem. And they were to return to Jerusalem for the feasts. Notice even in the book of Acts at the Feast of Pentecost Shavuot, which is tomorrow, by the way, if you go by the new moon calendar sighting, the biblical way, not the Judaism way, then tomorrow is Shavuot Pentecost. If you follow the astronomical way of the new moon sighting, which would have been done by Judaism, then you could potentially have celebrated Pentecost last week. But we will go through that a little later, but Pentecost always has to be on a Sunday because it specifically says in Leviticus 23, it happens on the seventh sab- seventh day, of, I'm sorry, the 50th day after the seventh Sabbath. Well, if you go from the day of Passover, sometimes that puts that puts 50 days to, on a Tuesday. Well, that, that Monday wasn't a Sabbath. Some days it's on a Wednesday. Well, that Tuesday wasn't a Sabbath. So we know for 100% certainty that Pentecost always comes the day after a seventh Sabbath. So the seventh, the 49th day is a Sabbath and the 50th day is a, a Sunday always. And so the first day of the week. And so there, there's no question there. Um, so you have to start counting during the festival and you know, you don't count from the day of Passover, but you know, it, you count from the day of the weekly Sabbath during that festival of Passover so that it can always come on a Sunday. And some people argue, for example, somebody pointed out Joshua, I think it's chapter chapter five, where they celebrated Passover and the next day ate the fruit of the land, right? Well, Passover can occur on a Saturday. <laughs> so if it occurred on a Saturday, well, then you would simultaneously begin counting the fruit of the Omer and have the Feast of Unleavened Bread on the same day. But Passover can also be on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Monday. So you can't count from Passover because it won't work calendrically always to get you to that seventh Sabbath and then the, day, the next day being the day after the seventh Sabbath because never is that Monday or Tuesday during that month of Pentecost a Sabbath. So that was a long explanation, but I hope it finally makes sense to certain people. Um, I know a lot of people get confused on that because Judaism doesn't understand the Messiah and the role of the festival of Feast of First Fruits and his resurrection. So there's become a lot of confusion. But back to this, once the children of Israel were scattered, they always had to go back to Jerusalem for the feast. In the book of Acts at the festival of Pentecost, for example, you see all people from all nations coming to Jerusalem. They had the temple there. Yeshua specifically does say, yes, he does say, no longer will people worship on this mountain, but in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say, though, that you can make replacement ceremonies wherever you are. God, Yeshua didn't come against the Torah. He literally was just prophesying that this temple is going to be destroyed because of the wickedness of these people. We were going to have a timeout. Ezekiel very specifically shows us, though, this third temple that will be built. And of course, the temple will be defiled. We know by the anti-Messiah and then it will be cleansed. And so what Yahweh has always told me that we cannot make replacement ceremonies. It says right here, we have to seek the place where Yahweh Elohim chooses to put his name. And you'll see this in some other verses coming up. And so 
be very, very careful that you don't do the sin of Jeroboam. Remember the northern tribe of Israel's leader who established festivals very similar to those celebrated in Jerusalem, but in their own place at Dan and Bethel because he didn't want to have the people go return back to the kingdom. He wanted to keep power. And I will tell you, many religious leaders are like that. They build their own kingdoms versus just trying to get people back to Yahweh. And so, sadly, they say you can celebrate festivals here in America, which we're forbidden from doing. And so let's keep reading and we'll understand more about that. Well, okay, I'm sorry, one more side note. In Leviticus 23, there are a few of the festivals that we are to do in our dwellings no matter where we live, and it's very specifically stated, for example, the Festival of Unleavened Bread. But the Festival of Passover, we are to do only in Jerusalem. And we are to be mourning for the feast. Zephaniah 3.18 specifically says that we are to be mourning for it. Because if we mourn for those feasts, well, we, we will return. And why would we be mourning? Because we're realizing and recognizing the extent of our wickedness, which caused us and our forefathers to be cast out of the land. Okay, let's keep reading. Um, verse 6. There you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. It's very important we take everything there. Now, there is a stipulation later, we're going to see it, where it says if the place is too far, you may sell that animal that was the tithe within your gates, keep the money, and take it to Jerusalem and buy in Jerusalem an animal that will uh, will be used as the sacrifice, which typically you eat with the priest. So just keep that in remembrance. Verse 7. And there you shall eat before Yahweh Elohim, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which Yahweh your Elohim has blessed you. Notice again, tithes always are of the agricultural produce. Tithes are not money. Tithes are the what you grew and what you raised, and you bring them to Yahweh. You bless them. You eat them before your God. Is that not amazing? You shall not do at all as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance which Yahweh Elohim has given you. Now I will point out, we in America, our fathers got cast out, so we did come to that rest. We got cast out of the land for our disobedience, our father's disobedience, and now is the restoration period. So we still don't get to make replacement ceremonies. Do we honor the Sabbaths? Yep, we rest on those days, but we are mourning because we are sad that we cannot be together because of the sin, and we're begging and crying out for Yahweh to return us. Now, the feasts that we are told to do everywhere, for, such as, um, like I talked about, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we do in all of our dwellings, the Day of Atonement, we are to afflict our souls, everybody should be fasting wherever you're at, or afflicting your soul. Those things we do everywhere. And the Sabbath day, we honor that as a Sabbath rest, but we can't do the sacrifices. Verse 10, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which Yahweh or Elohim has given you to inherit, and it gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety, then there will be the place where Yahweh or Elohim chooses to make his name abide. Okay, that was Jerusalem. And this already happened. So we can't pretend, I've heard some messianics make the argument, well, we haven't received our inheritance. Yes, we did. We got cast out. We are now in the judgment part of this, not the preface to it, the preface to it. We are after (laughs) <laughs> they already came in. We're in the concluding chapters, people. <laughs> there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings which you vow to Yahweh. 
and you shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim, you and your son and your daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. We are to go to Jerusalem. There's battles happening this very day around that city because Yahweh will free his place and he will bring the children of Abraham home. He will keep his promise and his covenant. And yes, people, it is all about Israel. It is all about the physical land of Israel and Jerusalem. He will restore his people. Now, is everybody who's a blood Israelite an Israelite? Nope. It's those who what? Obey in spirit and in truth. They have to have Moses and Elijah. They have to have the Torah and the Holy Spirit. Be born again. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Hmm. (laughs) How can people so blatantly just decide not to obey this command? Well, since we got scattered, I'm going to do whatever. No, no, no. We got scattered because we weren't obeying the commandments. We now can't just blatantly break one because our hearts want to to do these things. We need to sit in time out. Just like a child, if you send them to the room with all their toys, they're not going to think about what they did. But when you take away what was beautiful and what was good to them, then they think about it. Which, personally, I don't believe in time out. <laughs> I was just, I just, my, anyway, my master's was in counseling and um, it just, time out's not good for most age groups of children. <laughs> but, my point being right here. Take heed, be careful that you don't offer your burnt offerings in every place. Why? Because we are in punishment. It is in Jerusalem. He has put his name and that is where our sacrifices will be offered again. That is where our tithes will be offered. Now, can we still worship him in spirit and in truth? Absolutely. That's all we can do right now. But we can't make a physical replacement ceremony for these feasts. Verse 14. But in the place which Yahweh chooses... In one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. There, there, there. Shum, shum, shum. It is there. You cannot make a replacement. No, Yahweh did not put his name in Orlando. No, Yahweh did not put his name in Tennessee. No, Yahweh did not put his name on Utah, wherever that place is where the Mormons think he's returning. His mind didn't change. His word didn't change, people. We are in a segment of history that has not changed his word, that has not changed anything. In fact, we are in the segment of history where he promises to bring us back and return us to the land of Israel. And there again, he will offer, he will accept our sacrifices. That is in Ezekiel and other prophets. He did not change people. However, now listen to this. This is different. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires according to the blessing of Yahweh Elohim, which he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, the gazelle and the deer alike. Right? Why? Because these are not sacrifices. Never do you see anybody bring a gazelle or deer as a sacrifice. And you can eat meat. So these people who claim that veganism and Jesus Yeshua was a vegan and that vegetarianism is the way to go, no. Now, God does have me fasting from meat currently, and it's been a couple years. Um, In fact, (laughs) over half of my adult life, he's had me a vegetarian. But I butchered chickens. I butchered them last Sunday. Um, I hunt deer for my family. I have butchered beef, and I still do. I raise beef. Um, I raise them. I don't always do the slaughtering now. But the point being, people, come on. He has no problem. The sacrifices are meat. (laughs) 
And right here, he says, you can eat meat. This, but, but why? This is not the sacrifice. He already said a few verses ahead, you may bring your sacrifices to him. But in your gates, you can eat meat because this is a question people were going to have. And he answered it. Verse 16, only you shall not eat the blood. You shall pour it on the earth like water. And we do. So if you've ever butchered an animal, you know that you let the animal hang and you let all the blood drain out. Um, in fact, you age your deer and your beef in safe and cold environments, usually for up to 14 days. But you always get the blood out and you don't leave it in there. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil or the firstborn of your herd or your flock of any of your offerings which you vow, of your free will offerings or of the heave offerings of your hand. Now, people always ask me, well, how do we honor this commandment in Torah? Now, we just read a few verses ago. It says, these commandments are for all of your days when you're in the land. I think everything in Torah that we can obey here, we should. For example, um, eating clean and all those things. But some of the commandments that he's given are specifically for the land of Israel when we're back. So I think we must study these and know these. And I think what I do is I try to give the first of my harvest. I find somebody in need or I beg him to put on my heart spiritually whom I can help. No replacement. It's not a tithe. It's nothing like that. It's just I'm saying, Father God, um, who do I give the first of this harvest to to honor you? Because I can't do what I need to do. <laughs> you know, what I'm supposed to be doing is when you restore us, because of my sin and our father's sin has made us not be able to dwell in that land. But how do I honor you, Father, with the first of everything I have? So I try I don't call it a tithe. I try not to make it a replacement, but I just say, okay, this is the first of what I harvested. Well, who can I bless with it for you to bring blessing to God's name? Could be wrong. I hope I'm not, but I pray that he would show me if I am. But he's always put that on my heart and reminded me to do it every year. Um, he's not giving me any dreams not to do it. And typically he speaks to me a lot in the ear. And then if I'm not understanding in a dream, so, but if you know, if <laughs> I'm always open to discussion I love hearing from other people. Sometimes, again, I like I, and I have to be careful because I have. Yave <sighs> has spoken to me on. I've had almost every question you guys are going to have, so sometimes I have an answer quickly simply because I've already prayed about it. I've prayed about that exact question, and so I don't want it to seem ever like I'm ignoring your question. But you have to remember that. I mean, I would spend six, seven hours a day reading. I would get up at two o'clock in the morning and just study the Bible, just scripture. He would never let me read extra books. He would never let me have me study Hebrew. He wanted me to know him and his word. And it's made all the difference, um, believe me. So I just, I don't ever mean to <laughs> to sound argumentative and I'm not trying to. Um, it's just that if I've prayed about it and have an answer, I just share the answer. So I hope that makes sense. And I'm kind of like that. I'm a very analytical person, totally compassionate, totally the most giving person. But if you tell me a joke, I'm not going to laugh 99% of the time because I'm going to analyze the joke and tell you why my husband, <laughs> he, he laughs about it now. But 
he realized like, he was like, why can't you just laugh at the joke? I said, well, because this wouldn't happen. That's not actually funny because this and this and this. So my mind sometimes forgets the whole um, little introductions, the little things. <laughs> and I just jump right to the answer. And I don't mean to be that, but I can be a little robotic that way. Um, and I don't mean to forget all the fluff <laughs> or anything like that. I just, I'm just, my mind was already racing. Like, oh, well, but, but what about this? But no, but God answered me this and this is what he showed me and blah, blah, blah. Just a little insight into my odd little brain. Okay. Verse 18. You must, but you, okay. So let me read verse 17 again. You may not eat within your gates, the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil or the firstborn of your herd or your flock or any of your offerings, which you vow of your free will offerings or of the heave offering of your hand, but you must eat them before Yahweh or Elohim in the place which Yahweh or Elohim chooses. And that's not Orlando. It's not Wyoming. It's not Montana. (laughs) It's Jerusalem. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates, and you shall rejoice before Yahweh or Elohim in all to which you put your hands. Now, this is something, people, that we need to be praying for God to restore. That is why Zephaniah 3.18 says those who mourn. Because when you see what we're lacking, when you feel that missing piece, oh, your heart longs for him even more. If you make a replacement ceremony, you don't long for him because you've made it here. You're fine with being in America. But when you can't have those things because you realize he's taken it away for a time because of our sin, oh my gosh, it makes you long so much for him. So um, so anyway, we have to be careful. If we, if you did vow something to Yahweh, the, the best option would be to sell it here, keep the money or the shkalim or the silver, the gold, whatever you have, set it aside. And once we give you turn to the land, give it to him there. Um, if you vowed it that way, if you understand we're in the land of America and you feel like, okay, I know we can't do this right now. There's no way to do it. And, and Yahweh puts on your heart to somehow honor him in a different way. Um, I would say go with that. Make sure it's of Yahweh though. Really pray for confirmation. Verse 19, take heed to yourself. Be careful that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in the land. <laughs> Hello, don't forget us. <laughs> My family were Levites. Um, through my, well, actually, well, uh, I have a few different sides, but um, I found out my mother's father's side also um, seems like they may have been from the Levite. But I know for a fact my mother's mother, my mother's mother's side were Levites. That's we have the history records of that. When Yahweh or Elohim enlarges your border as He has promised you, and you say, "Let me eat meat because you long to eat meat," you may eat as much meat as your heart desires in the place. Where Yahweh Elohim chooses to put his name in. Okay, sorry. <laughs> My brain just put those two verses together. So again, he's reiterating, it's okay to eat meat in your gates, but not the sacrifices. He just said above, if it's a if it's your tithe or your offerings or the first one of your flock, you have to take that to Jerusalem, but the rest of you may eat meat. The rest of those herd and the flocks you can eat right there in your gates. Go ahead. And it's okay to eat meat, people, again. <laughs> Verse 21. If the place where Yahweh or Elohim chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock which Yahweh has given you, just as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires. What he's showing here is, see these things that weren't the tithes, the offerings, or whatever? Go ahead and eat them. Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may eat them. And the reason he clarifies it here is because earlier he had said the gazelle and the deer, go ahead and eat as much of that because they're never sacrifices. But here he's saying even of the flocks, you don't have to take everything. Not everything has to be a peace offering or whatever. Just go ahead and eat in your gates. But not the sac- not the tithes, okay? 
Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may eat the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that it may go well with you and your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of Yahweh. Only the holy things which you have in your vowed offerings you shall take and go to the place which Yahweh chooses. Okay, again, so he's making, so if you, if you have a beef, so let's say you have a, a cow who had her third calf. It's not the firstborn, it's not the tithe, it's not maybe the, it wasn't the tenth one that passed under the rod from your flock that year, so you can eat it, okay? But if it was a holy thing, a vowed thing, or a tithe, you have to take it to the place which he chooses. Verse 27. And you shall offer your burnt offering, the meat and the blood, on the altar of Yahweh your Elohim, and the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of Yahweh your Elohim, and you shall eat the meat. Do you guys see that again? When you give to Yahweh, you're basically, you eat with him. You eat it. Like you took this tithe to him to also be eaten by the Levites in the house of Aaron, but you get to eat it with him. It's dinner with daddy. People make these sacrifices out to be these weird seance type things, but look, it's dinner with daddy. Yahweh Elohim is your father. It's dinner with daddy. You're going to your father's house for dinner, for lunch, whatever you make it. <laughs> whatever time of day you took that sacrifice. Observe and obey all these words which I command you that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is right, good and right in the sight of Yahweh Elohim. When Yahweh Elohim cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed or guard yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. See, we can't serve Yahweh with the traditions of the pagans, guys. Don't learn how the pagans did it. The Nicolaitan system that the church has set up was not ever how God intended his, his, quote, church, his ecclesia to look, his kahal. You shall not worship Yahweh or Elohim in that way. For every abomination to Yahweh, which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. And you have to be so careful with that verse because... Yeshua specifically explained the Torah, the heart of Torah. And so he says, you know, it seems to some people that he added to the word of God, but he didn't because the Bible says not to commit adultery. And Yeshua explains that adultery begins in the heart, not even to lust for another person. Okay. He also says, you know, not even to hate your brother or be angry at him versus just the murder. So it seems like he's adding to it, but it's not adding to it. It is, God, how do I explain this? It is, it's not adding to it, it's teaching the heart of it what it was supposed to be. It's understanding the heart of the Father, I just heard him say. It's understanding the Father's heart. And so living, you must live by not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law and walk it in spirit and in truth. So there is a physical walk that is dictated by certain rules and commands, but you have to understand the spiritual behind that. Okay, may you all be blessed. Have a blessed Sabbath. Sorry I was MIA last week. I have been <laughs> going to bed about 2 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 5 to milk the cow. It's just been, you know how the farm is, agricultural life. There is a time for everything, a season to plant, a t- season to harvest, and during those times, <laughs> you know, it, there's some long days, especially um, with the other jobs I have going on, photography and stuff. So anyway, 
if for, please forgive me for not getting a podcast out for you guys last week. I'll try to get another one today after I go take my little snooze. Love you all. Have a blessed day.